Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, and the book of Numbers 26, verse 10. I appreciate Brother Thomas and Brother Chris doing communion. That's beautiful. Appreciate him. Colossians 128 says, Whom we preach, and if you want to underline, circle, or color the next three words, warning every man. Warning every man. And teaching every man. So you could say warning and teaching. In all wisdom, we present every man perfect, complete, perfect in Christ Jesus. Numbers 2610, it's talking about Korah and his rebellion. I'll go back over that in a minute. There was a group of people who rebelled against Moses. Moses, Moses is the meekest of all men, the Bible said. He, he, wasn't, he didn't even want to be the leader. In Exodus chapter 3, when God called Moses to go into, go into Egypt, he knew Egypt. He was educated in all the wisdom of Egypt, the Bible said. He knew the wisdom of Egypt. He knew Egypt. He didn't want to go back to Egypt. He's out in the desert with that burning bush, and God says, I'm going to send you back in here. Whoa, how about you send somebody else? He gives five excuses. To be honest with you, I'm embarrassed for him. I'm embarrassed for him about number three or four. First two or three, I think, well, okay, he's a little shy and he knows who they are. But man, when he starts, God says, no, I'll do this and I'll do that. And if you do that, and then he keeps saying, no, how about sending my brother, Aaron? He talks better than I do. I don't speak too well. And so some of the greatest leaders in the Bible did not want to be leaders. They're not, they're not power hungry. They were not desirous of the leadership. They wanted to be followers. But God said, no, I'm going to make you a leader. That was Moses. And for these people, Korah and his buddies, to rise up and say that Moses usurped the power and was lording over them the power was such a horrible mis false accusation on Moses. And you'll see what happened to him as we go over it in a minute. And here in verse 10, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. And by the way, his women, children, etc. that when that company died, what time the fire devoured 250 men that became a sign. So not only, not only did the company of Korah and those that followed him die, but 250 specific men, leaders in Israel, specifically went up against Moses and said, we have as much right, we have as much power, we have as much access to God as you do, and uh, you take too much on yourself. And God, God took exception to that, as you see, by opening the earth and swallowing all of them up. Plus, he's evidently sent lightning down and burnt those 250 men up. That was big. But the key to that are those last few words of Numbers 26.10. And they became a sign. And they became a sign. Warning signs are put up out of love for those who may be hurt. Warning signs are not put up by mean. When God, we're talking about God putting up warning signs. He doesn't put them up because he's mean. He doesn't put them up because he wants to short you. Because, you know, the devil said that in Garden of Eden. He said, you know, God just don't want you to know the difference between good and evil because you'll be like him. You'll be God's like him. What a lie. What a lie that was. He's been saying that same lie, repeating that over and over and over. Every generation comes up. 
But warning signs are put up by God out of love to keep you from being hurt. We live in a world, woo, we live in a world run by lawyers. And it's not a pleasant place to live because every time you turn, you break a law. They have, they have proliferated law to the place where you just can't live without breaking some law. I mean, you just cannot live long without breaking some law. Too many laws. Every time they put a law on the books, you ought to have to take two off. I read a big article on this by, uh, by somebody who was smart. What made him smart, he agreed with me. But I mean, uh, no, uh, but he was a law student and, you know, the professor. And I was talking about how there's so many laws that in this, and by the way, this is written in the late 1890s. So there's so many laws, even young people, all, every young person out there is becoming some sort of a criminal. They make too many laws. Man, there's too many laws. What I loved about Trump was when he did the, he started taking away some of them regulations. He had a whole room full of technic, technical papers and full of regulations he eliminated. God bless America, he took regulations. There ought, it not, not, ought not to be so hard to start a business. I love that when he reduced corporate tax, and then a lot of those corporations pass that on to their employees, the benefit that they receive, and that's the way it trickled down. Oh, you know who did that. But the warnings all over the world, we have signs everywhere. I go door to door, beware of dog, even if they don't have one. I've seen beware of attack cats. That'll be a Siamese cat, by the way. I've had to, I've had to beat off a Siamese cat before. It tried to eat me. Beware of falling rocks. You people have gone through North Carolina, South Carolina, out west. Be out, when you're riding a motorcycle, that, you think about that one. Beware of falling rocks. Beware of wet paint. Beware of slippery when wet. Sharp curve ahead. Trucks entering road. Panther crossing. School crossing. When I went to Israel, they had a few other di- kind of different warning signs than I'd ever seen before, like landmines. Like in Israel, you don't just get out of your car and like walk up, walk up a hill because it'll have yellow signs and red. They'll say landmines, landmines. I mean, you see these deer with three legs. You see a lot of deer with three legs. That's because they hit a landmine. You know, it blows their leg off. At least that's what I was told. It made sense to me. But their land has been polluted with landmines. So they have, beware, enter at your own risk. Um. We have people that live in gated areas like where I live. I have signs on my gate. I have a bunch of signs on my gate. Warning signs. Nothing inside is worth dying for. I have one, two signs in Spanish and English. I'm going to put one in Creole, I think. Nothing inside is worth dying for. Don't, don't even think about it. Don't come in because I am going to kill you if, you if I'm conscious and I get the drop on you. You're not going to come in my house. It's called in, in the law. It's called the kingdom law. That my house is my kingdom. And all the men said, yeah. I got one sign that says, the owner's too old to fight, too tired to run, too grouchy to argue. He's just going to shoot you. I have the UPS guy hesitates coming in my place. What I want a person, what I want a thief to think when he comes up to my house is somebody crazy 
lives in this place. Somebody crazy, let's go down to this next guy who don't have any signs and let's rob him. Because we go in there, who knows, this guy's probably got landmines, probably got, probably got uh, wire around there, you know, trip wires, and you don't know what the guy's going to have, nails and boards. You can't have anything, you never know. Warning signs, electric fence, I got in my house, electric fence shocker. <laughs> um, so there's, there's, a, there's a place for warning. Would you agree? Amen? There's a place for warning. The Bible is full of really benevolent warnings to keep us out of trouble. It's for your protection, and it's because somebody cares enough about you to put a sign up to stop you from hurting yourself. Uh, because you were not warned. And God has throughout the Bible and history put these signs out. Tonight I'm going to speak about three large, colossal warning signs in the Bible. Three. Three large and colossal warning signs in the Scriptures. First of all, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 18, 19, may be one of the greatest, clearest warning signs of the entire Bible. Sodom and Gomorrah was one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's interesting to me that homosexuals like to go to beautiful places. San Francisco, beautiful place. Uh, Key West, beautiful place. There are some places uh, up on the East Coast that are well known for homosexuality. Almost all of them are beautiful. And it's interesting going all the way back to Sodom and Gomorrah Sodom and Gomorrah was a beautiful place. I'm not speculating. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10 says, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as a garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou cometh out unto Zor. In other words, it was like the Garden of Eden. It was absolutely gorgeous. Everything was grown there. It was tropical. There were flowers or palms. It was beautiful. And that is oftentimes a place where homosexuals gather. A lot of things in nature are beautiful, but dangerous. A cobra, beautiful. Now, for you that don't like snakes, maybe you don't think a snake can be beautiful, but they actually are beautiful. A cobra, the way they handle themselves and come up and flatten themselves out, beautiful. But they're deadly. Deadly poison. How about a, we had one here. Coral, we've killed four coral snakes on our property. Full-blown, full-adult coral snakes. So you people that, that you trustees are out there using your bare hands and picking stuff up, if I was you, I'd wear gloves. But a coral snake uh, is absolutely beautiful. Red on black, you're a happy jack. Red on yellow, you're a dead fellow. Is that right, brother? I got that poem. Well, if you get the poem wrong, you die. I've had, I've had at my house, I've never seen a coral snake in my house, but I have king snakes in my house that look, they're red on black. You're a happy jack. But unless you know that, they look exactly like a coral snake, except the color arrangement's a little different with them. And Brother Townsend, one time, they interbreed, and the color may not always be 100% right. I think you mentioned that to me. But anyway, I'm gambling this right. I do not kill any snake that is non-venomous. If a non-venomous snake, I don't kill them. I like them. They help me. They get rid of the rats and the mice and, and et cetera. I wouldn't even kill a rat. I wouldn't even kill a rattlesnake, which, by the way, 
This, they're beautiful. Those women love diamonds. They like it. That old rattlesnake with a beautiful diamond pattern on their back. We, the last one I killed, I think I put in a card and sent it to you for your birthday anniversary. <laughs> it was about six feet long. That was my neighbor. I actually killed that. I took a picture of it. Well, there are poisonous frogs in nature. They're beautiful, deep, rich colors, red, black, green. A black widow has a beautiful a red, kind of a violin shape on, on her belly, I believe. But maybe some of the most dangerous, some of the most dangerous uh, creatures that are our baby blue eyes surrounded by pure white set in a thin black frame with a lighter shade of blue fading out from the center out. As Proverbs 6, chapter 6, verse 25 says, not, Lust not after her beauty in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. The coloring of eyes by women to entice men is old, very old. It says in Proverbs 5, For the lips of a strange woman, that's an immoral woman, drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. The wet lip, lipstick is old, it's old enticement to men. Uh, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. And listen to this. Her house is the way to hell, the highway to hell. It's the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Psalm of Sodom and Gomorrah, in the Bible is a warning to you and to me today and to everybody that lives. Solomon and Gomorrah was beautiful but exceedingly sinful. Genesis 13, 13 says the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners beyond, before the Lord exceedingly. You say, what was the sin of Sodom? Well, there's some, maybe a little confusion on that. I'll try to straighten that out. I believe the sin of Sodom was homosexuality and violence. And we'll go to Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, where it specifically gives the underlying cause of those things in, in Ezekiel 16, 49. And in, in Genesis 9, 19, 5, it says, And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came unto thee this night? Because the two angels came to Lot. And he didn't want them to stay out on, on the, he didn't want them to stay out in the town square because he knew how bad the place was and he had them come in the house. And his homosexuals show up at his door and they say, bring, these guys, bring them out to us that we may know them. And you know what that means. And they smote the man, these angels smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both great and small, small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. I can't imagine being blinded and then try, still trying to find a door, but that's how intense the evil is. Why do you think in Florida they're going after our children? Why do you think in our libraries of our little children, I'm talking about little children, they're putting these queer books, these transgender books. I just was looking at some of them the other day, and I couldn't believe what they're putting in these little kids and encouraging them to do it. Why do you think they're going after children? Because they've always gone after strange flesh. What makes them most excited is what's most forbidden. The Bible calls it concupiscence. The more you forbid it, the more they like it. Instead, they weary themselves to find the door. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49, it defines what, this, what the underlying causes of, of that were. Behold, this is the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, 
fullness of bread, abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So pride is is the basis of it all. You wouldn't think so, but pride has to do with self. Prosperity, that's the, uh, it's been said, uh, total power corrupts totally. Prosperity, nobody in the Bible has done well with prosperity. And a lack of uh, of, of idleness is simply a lack of purpose. They had, brother, you need to stay busy. Women at home, you need to stay busy. You need to keep your house clean, dishes done, laundry done. You need to stay busy. You don't have time to be going out and having a high tea, low tea, side tea, too much, that is. Some some of you girls like queens. I'm going to tell you what. I had a philosophy of keep my woman busy. I feel lonely. I feel very lonely up here. After my wife retired, I said, you're not going to sit around and do nothing. I said, you're going to mow. I want you to mow the four acre, five acres. I want you to mow it and weed eat it and you can plant plants and do whatever you want to. But my wife maintains four, over four acres of mowing and weed eating. And trust me, it keeps her busy. You think that's abusive? That's one of the best things I ever did for her. I even bought her a John Deere zero turn radius mower. If she wanted to, I'd put a little name on the side of it, Kathy's Toy. She can mow with that. Keep her busy. Let me tell you, busy people with a purpose are happier people than idle people with no purpose. And that's the Bible. That's the Bible. This combination, though, this neglect of the poor means they were self-centered. They didn't care about anybody but themselves. This combination leads to boredom of normal things and investigation into abnormal things. More thrills, sometimes forbidden things, which bring excitement. Stolen waters are sweet, the Bible says. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Sodom became a sign for all history to look at and to be warned. How do I know that? The Bible says so. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. The turning of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that afterward should live ungodly. There it is right there. Simon Gomorrah, right at the beginning of a, a world history, was placed in the beginning of, of the, uh, as, a, as a warning sign for all those who would come after. This is what happens if you live like this. This is going to be the end of you. Fiery indignation of God will be upon you. In Jude, next to the last book of the Bible, verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, immorality of all kinds, the word fornication is a Greek word, pornea. And going after strange flesh, that's the perversion part, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So it wasn't just that they were physically burned up. From there, their ultimate destination is going to be the lake of fire. It's big. It's big. God, I think God has spoken as about as clear as a warning sign as you can speak about this thing of homosexuality being wicked and vile, and by the way, immorality being wicked and vile. You look at the sin list in the New Testament, and you're going to find at the head, the top of the sin list in the Bible, there's five major ones, is immorality, right at the top of it. The top two or three, immorality, immorality. So what do you think our weakness is? Immorality. You got to be careful what your eyes look at. 
what your ears hear, uh, where you go. Man, I'm careful where I go. I, I'm not going down to the beach where they're wearing thongs and, and three, 99% naked. I'm not going down there where they're doing painted on suits and stuff like that. I'm not going someplace where the girls are wearing leggings. And, and, and every man in here, every, every healthy man in here would know the sensuality of leggings. I think a couple of amens on that. The truth. They torture your soul. Want to stay away from it. Want to stay moral. Want to stay upright. And these women walking around like, like hookers, prostitutes, whores, advertising it. Well, I know one thing. All of that behavior someday is going to place, be placed in a lake of fire. Death and hell will be cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death. It's a warning sign. Second warning sign was the flood, Genesis chapter 6. And God saw, verse 5, God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, every imagination and thoughts of the heart were only evil continually. There comes a time and a place in the, life, in the life of society, generally, that they drift so far left, they become so liberal, so ungodly, that they are literally without hope of repentance or return. Now, I don't know where that line is. I would not know whether America has crossed that line. But I know of times in history when societies crossed the line with God and they were, no, no matter what they did, they weren't going to be saved. They were unsavable. They, they become reprobated. They become unsavable. I don't know where that line is. But I think America needs to be careful because we're coming close to it if we haven't already crossed it. No one, no one knows when this happens. It's between God and, him, and them. These people in the flood, I can say safely now because it's history, but those, I'm going to say, okay, according to the Genesis flood book by Henry Morris, page 143 to 146, he says there, if a family only had six kids, they had at least seven billion people at the time of the flood, but they lived eight, nine hundred years. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be past your imagination at all that there could have been 25 billion people alive during at the time of the flood. Out of 25 billion people they had turned. When you, when you read Romans chapter 1, what do you see? When they knew God, they glorified him not as God. It became vain their imagination, their foolish heart was darkened. He's talking about those people before the flood. He's talking about that those people that knew God, they were close to the garden. They were close to Adam and Eve. They, 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 had, they had access, and yet, they turned in such a strong, uh, uh, irrevocable way that God gave them over. If you read that, that uh, first chapter of Romans, it says, it says he gave them up, he gave them up, and he gave them over. And when he gave them over, they, were, they weren't savable anymore. I know God well enough from the Bible that he would not send anybody to hell. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell if they can be saved and would, would be saved. But they, evidently, except for eight people, the whole 25 billion or 7 billion, whatever you like to think about, were unsavable. No matter what God would have done, no matter what preaching, though, though Noah preached 100, 100, about 120 years, uh, preacher of righteousness, he's called, and he preached, yet they, he didn't have any, as far as we can tell, he didn't have any converts except his family members. 
I don't know about you, but any preacher would be discouraged on that, amen? I mean, today, if a preacher preached all those 120 years and only had eight members in his church, they'd say he is an ultimate failure. Why, he wasn't using the right this, or he wasn't doing the right that, or he didn't have the, something would be wrong with Noah. There was nothing wrong with Noah. It was them. It was them. And guess when Jesus is coming back? As in the days of Noah, so shall the son of, coming of the Son of Man be. The world's going to get harder before the second coming, harder and harder and harder, and turn away to the point they cannot be saved. And that's when eventually the tribulation period. And what, one of the punishments God does upon the world is release. He takes the church out, which is the salt of the world and the light of the world, and he releases upon the world what they want. The beast. The dragon gives power to the beast. And then the false prophet glorifies the dragon. They wanted it. They want anybody but God. They want another spirit, another gospel. Anything but what the true is. They'll, 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 they'll oh yeah, they'll be great with it. And so he says, okay, you want that? That's what you're going to get. And... I'm going to send you strong delusion that you believe that guy. And it's the devil himself incarnate. And he's going to come and rule the entire world, pretty much the entire world during that seven-year period of tribulation. And God then will reign upon that world. 21 judgments never been seen before or will be seen since. This flood is a warning it is a warning sign for those. Every time you see a rainbow, I saw a bunch of them this week. Every time you see a rainbow, it's God saying, don't repeat their mistake. Don't repeat their mistake. Come to me. Humble yourself. Be contrite and broken. Believe the word of God. Follow me. And you don't have to be a part of that group. Yeah. They denied God's word. If you read Romans chapter 1, speaking about them, they didn't believe that God created everything like he said he did. Now, you may take this, you may not take it. You may like it, may not like it. But I can tell you, I believe evolution was a sin of the flood. They denied God as a creator. And they worship the beast, the four-footed creatures, as God. Because they didn't believe there was a God that created everything. In other words, it was a, it was a sin of unbelief in what the Bible said happened. In the beginning, God created the world. You say, I'm a Christian. I believe in evolution. I don't see how that can be. I don't see how it can be. Because you don't believe that God created everything, well, then you don't believe the Bible's accurate, and you for sure don't believe the first 11 chapters of Genesis really happened as it was marked. And then all through the Old Testament talks about God being the creator, and all through the New Testament talks about God being the creator. In fact, Jesus Christ specifically being the creator. You don't believe any of that's true, and you're still a Christian? You're still a Christian? I'm afraid you're going to stand before Jesus someday, and you'll say, well, I knew you. I said a lot of things in your name, and he'll say, I never knew you. You work over iniquity, depart from me. Yeah. That was a sin, or there was a sin of that. If you read Romans 1, it's specific on that. 
of the, of the flood. So we had Sodom and Gomorrah as a warning sign against immorality of all kinds, not just homosexuality, not just transgender, not transvestite, not just transvestite, but against all kinds of immorality. You're out there and you're being immoral. You men are out there this, tonight and you're being immoral with a woman once in a while. Beware. Beware. You're committing the same kind of sin that has brought judgment. Her ways are on the... The strange woman, her incline of her road is down to hell. You know what God will do if you, if you continually and consistently do something he doesn't want you to do? He'll give you over to it. Addiction. He'll give you over to it. Or you'll be addicted. I've had people said in my office, I've told this before, big strong men in my office cry like a little baby. He was addicted to pornography. I haven't gone one day without watching pornography. I said, well, you can do it. No, I can't preach. I can't do it. I can't stop. They're total, helpless, little. It's hard for me to watch. What it is, they were given over to it. And when God gives you over to something, you are given over to it. Beware. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. You sow the flesh, you reap the flesh corruption. You sow to the Spirit, you reap the Spirit, life everlasting. You believe the Bible? It's not just a bunch of words. The third example was what I mentioned earlier, was Korah's, what they call, it's referred to as Korah's rebellion. It was an anti-authority rebellion. Let me just read quickly in Numbers chapter 16. And there rose up before Moses and certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, leadership. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Of course they didn't do that, but they were accused of that. It is a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey and to kill us in the wilderness. If I remember that story right, the 12 uh, spies went into the land. Ten of them came back and said, we can't do it. They were the ones that condemned them to go into the wilderness for 40 years and die there. It wasn't Moses and Aaron that did that. So see, they've perverted that. Except thou makest thyself altogether a prince over us. It's had consequences of their rebellion was that many innocents were also hurt. In Numbers 16, 27, so they got up in Tabernacle of Torah and Dathan and Abiram and every side and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. Your sin will not stop just with you. It will go to your family and those that you touch. In verse 33, and they and all the appertained to them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed up upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel round about them fled at the cry of them, because as they went down, of course, they screaming. And they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. There came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. What's the lesson? What's the warning sign? Don't defy God's authority. Don't defy God's authority. Ladies, married ladies, your husband's your authority. Feel lonely up here again. Man, this is a solid Bible. 
as John 3.16, folks. This ain't new philosophy. The man is the head of the house. That means he has to take the heat. Being the head's not such a wonderful place to be because then you're going to be held, well, the failure of your family or the success of your family, you're going to be held solely responsible for it as a leader. Amen? Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Don't defy, don't defy authority. God has put authority in our lives for protection. When, when a police officer pulls you over, for going, you know, 75 and a 35, don't smart off. Don't cop a tood. Don't, don't tell him you weren't thinking. Just call him sir and pay your fine. He's an authority to help you, to save you. Uh, and really our government, there's no power but of God. Powers of be ordained of God. I, I have to tell you straight up and down, better to have Biden than nobody. I don't even have to hesitate on that. Better to have a bad government than no government. Because when you have no authority, everybody's an authority. Now, everybody being an authority is called chaos. And that's a horrible place to be. Go to Haiti and see how it is. So bad in Haiti because of that. There's no leadership. Gangs running everything. Our dear brother Tim Bauer would love to go back. Has a house, property. Bible Institute, churches, done all his life's work there, and he can't go back there because there's no security. You don't know when somebody's going to come in your house, blow your head off, take everything you got. No security. Defund the police is one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. I say double fund them. Do not defy authority that God puts in, your, in, in, in place for you. He wants to help you. So what God ultimate purpose for all these signs? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? When I see Sodom and Gomorrah and I see the flood and I see a, a, a sign like Korah and that rebellion and what happened to them, that helps me to obey. It helps me to understand. Hey, I need to, be, I need to tighten up. I need to believe the Bible. This ain't about what I think. This is about what God thinks. This is, not about, this is not about my will. This is about God's will. Amen? I need to conform to his will and be serious about it. In 2 Peter 3.11 says, Looking for the hasting and coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall burn with fervent heat. So there's coming an end to this thing. Where will you be when you stand before God? God forbid that you didn't pay attention to some of God's warning signs as he's put them out ahead of us. Don't do it. You young people, flee youthful lusts. Flee fornication, pornea, soft porn, medium porn, hard porn, 4X porn, stay away from it all. It will eat you for lunch. You will be the master of it when you begin, and shortly thereafter, it will be your master. You say, I can control it. You can't. You cannot control it. It's a raging monster. 
that you cannot control. I remember when I started smoking. How many in here ever smoked? Raise your hand. Come on, admit it. Cough it up. <coughs> Cough it up. Good. Little pun there. I remember taking the first cigarette, which my brother gave me, by the way. That's what brothers are for, right? So he gave me a cigarette, and he lit that, and it, it looked neat. And so I, I went, oh, man, I coughed and hacked and coughed and hacked. I thought I was going to die to get better. Then I went back for another puff. I coughed and hacked and coughed and said, that's horrible. I threw it down. That's horrible. And then I went and tried it again and forced my body to accept it. But here's a crazy thing that happens when you do that. You force your body to accept it, and then your body forces you to accept it. And I wanted to quit smoking. I got right with God at 18 years old. I want to quit smoking, right? Right? I want to quit smoking. Christian shouldn't be a slave to anything. And I'm talking about food. I'm talking about anything. You should not let anything be master over you except the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing should control you but Jesus. The ninth fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That's what God wants. He wants to help you. And so I took, uh, I wanted to quit, and I thought I could do it. And I never, I'm telling you, I've said it before over and over, and I, I suffered so badly. I, I quit a hundred times. I made every kind of vow. I took vows. I mean, cross your heart, hope to die, three, three, girl scout, boy scout. And brother, I did not want to live without a cigarette. I did not want to live. Life wasn't good if I couldn't have a cigarette. Now, how many here have been addicted like that? Raise your hand. Oh, God bless you. Well, I want to go out to eat. Oh, that's a terrible addiction. Now, that's just cigarettes. But immorality will do the same thing. Yeah. I've had people come by that were given over to homosexuality. And I said, how in the world did you get started in that? Concupiscence. They were immoral first. And that got boring. And the devil's really happy to give you something else. It'll give you a thrill. And then when they got in that, they couldn't get out of it. Got AIDS and died a skeleton, 35-year-old, I buried two of them in their 30s, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing home, mom and dad born again, two men from different homes that died of AIDS as skeletons. And I mean, you could count their bones. It ate them alive. How did it happen? I asked him. Little by little, they gave in and gave in and gave in and gave in, and pretty soon they couldn't get it back. And pretty soon, no matter what they do, they couldn't seem to stop. Remember, Sodom and Gomorrah, when you see a rainbow, remember, disbelief in the Word of God, where it takes you. Remember, when you despise authority, Korah and their families and their children and the 250 renowned leaders of the group, what God did to them as a sign 
Don't go this way. Father, help us tonight. Save us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.